Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Montgomery County, Maryland is where businesses go to be next. Home to a highly skilled, diverse workforce, a thriving business community, competitive incentives, and more. MoCo will help transform your business. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how we can help you be next. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed. If you love Dynasty Leagues and prospects, you came to the right place, because that's what this show is all about. Covering the majors and all levels of the minor leagues to give you the leg up in your Dynasty Leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, Dynasty and prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 31 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another great episode in store for you all today. And joining me, as always, is my co-host from Fantrax HQ, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, what's going on, man? Oh, not too much. Just been another good week of baseball. Exciting week. Fun fantasy week. A lot of things happened, and we're going to talk about some of those. We're going to, looking forward to diving in on, on some Dynasty buy or sales here and so looking forward to a good episode yeah man like we're just past the one quarter mark of the season which is just crazy to think about uh which it's even more crazy to think like this would have been like over two-thirds of the way through last season but yeah. we have an, a lot a lot of data now a lot of these hot starts both on you know pitching side of things and and at the plate a lot of interesting names that have really broken out this year uh, so we're going to talk about all those players today about a dozen or so names we'll get into, see you know, how legitimate we think these performances are and how they should be valued long-term in Dynasty Leagues. But before we get into all of that, the usual housekeeping, you can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Cross 4 and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Please subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or on your preferred podcasting platform. And please check out our Patreon for extra written content from both of us, including... Uh, some bonus podcasts as well, private Discord access, access to our live prospect and dynasty rankings, and much more. And we just updated our all of our rankings, including our uh, early top 50s for 2021 first-year player drafts. So go check those out. Uh, that's the 70-grade tier, um, but you can start getting perks across four different tiers, starting at as little as $5. Or if you just want to thank and support Chris and I, you can do so for as little as $1 a month. Sign up today at patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed. And as always, make sure to check out all the great written work and audio work we have on FantraxHQ.com, including our other two baseball pods, my other show, the Five Tool Podcast, and SP Streamer. But all right, let's get into this week's episode. Like we mentioned, talking some early season breakouts and how legitimate we think they are and their dynasty value moving forward. Let's start on the pitching side of things here. Um, for Freddie Peralta, now he went today, didn't look too great today, rocked up the K's, but he was kind of walking a lot of guys here, but he's one that I, you know, I have him on a lot of teams. Um, so I've been really enjoying 
this early season, Freddie Peralta kind of breakout. And he was a popular breakout coming into the season. I don't think anybody really expected him to do this well. Um, but Chris, what are your thoughts so far on Freddie Peralta this season? Yeah, I mean, he's been highly impressive. It's hard to argue with what he's done. I mean, another good outing today. He's now got a 2.54 ERA on the year and nearly 50 innings, 49 and two-thirds innings, and he's got 76 strikeouts over those innings and a .95 whip. So across the board, he's been pretty impressive. And you look at his arsenal, and I think that one of the biggest changes he made was the increased usage of his slider, which I think was been highly beneficial to him. Also using that change up some, but he's pretty predominantly fastball slider, but he does mix in the change up and curve about 10% of the time total. But you look at that slider, it's just a absolutely nasty pitch has a 46.6% whiff rate. He's putting batters away at a 37% rate when he uses that pitch. Nasty 129 batting average against 30 strikeouts on that pitch. And the four seamer, you look at the four seamer has been really good as well. And he's got 35 strikeouts on it. He, again, limits hard contact with it, and he's not allowing many base runners on that pitch. So you look at those two pitches, and he's just absolutely dominating. I think he's legit. I like what I see, especially when we've seen the improvement, obviously. The strikeout rate's there. He was there last year, and he's steadily improved his walk rate throughout his career. He's still a little high at you know 10.8%. You can live there. I mean, that was where Corbin Burns lived last year. We know he was highly successful. And across the board, I just think that what he's done is legit. You even look at like the XERA because he doesn't allow any hard contact. And his XERA is at 207, which is you know very impressive there. So everything looks legitimate. The only concern that I do have for him is how many innings he will pitch this year. And I think that's the question mark moving forward. Last year, he only threw 29 innings. In 2019, he threw 85 innings. So I don't know what the workload limit is going to be. And I think for that reason, I do have slight question marks for this season. But in Dynasty, we're talking Dynasty, I think he's legit. And I'd be willing to hold. In a redraft league, if you can sell high, like somebody's going to spend a top dollar on him, I might sell just because of the innings concerns. But long term, I mean, you look at what Milwaukee's done with these starters and you just you, you love to see it. And I think that he's just the next guy that's taking that step up and – He's right there with with Burns and Woodruff, and I think that he's capable of being, you know, a top seventy five, top fifty dynasty asset if he keeps this up for the rest of the year. So I'm definitely excited about him long term. He's young; I think he's twenty four years old. So a lot to like there. Absolutely, yeah. I moved him up a good amount again uh, in my dynasty ranks, which I'll put out uh, early June, usually like the first week of every month. But if you have our seventy grades here, you can see them live right now. Uh, I bumped him up from 176 up to 130 right now. For pitchers, he's in the same range as like Dustin May, who just bumped down a bit because of the injury. Uh, Zach Wheeler, Pablo Lopez, uh, Chris Sale, got, uh, Zach Plezak, guys like that. Carlos Rodon in there, who we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, and yeah, if, if he continues this, he will. You know, if he keeps pitching like this for the remainder of the season, he will definitely be inside my top 100 by the end of the season. Because you mentioned that the stuff is just so good. Like imagine having that's a damn good one, two, three Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta, all lively arms with filthy stuff. Uh, Peralta has been very legit this year. All the underlying metrics kind of back up what he's doing. Like you mentioned, how the XERA is even lower than the surface ERA, XBA 137, X slug at 250, 
These are all like top 5% of the league. Um, you mentioned that slider is absolutely filthy. He's thrown that more this year uh, than he did in the past. Less four seamers, but that's to be expected. You know, moving into the rotation full time um, from the bullpen last year, out of the changeup, 30, 30 plus percent whiff rate on all four of his pitches, sub 200 batting average against, the sub 270 Woba on all four pitches. I'll have a 28.6% put away rate or higher. It's just everything's there. And yeah, the walk rate is a little high, but you know, that 10%-ish range, while it's not great, it's not like detrimental either. Like if, if he was up near 14, 15%, I'd be a bit more worried. Like you mentioned, that's where Coburn Burns was last year. I don't think he's gonna take a Coburn Burns type jump and go down to like a one point, whatever percent of walk rate like Burns is. Um, but the stuff is definitely very, very filthy here. He can, just, he can just miss bats with all four pitches. Um, though the one thing I do worry about with him versus righties, he's only a, basically a four-seam slider guy. I'd like to see him use you know the change up of the curve a bit more uh, against righties, though. He's you know 88% or so overall four-seam slider. So I, th- I would love to see him incorporate the change and the curveball a bit more. Um, into his arsenal. So I think people will start honing in on the fastball slider, even though they're both very good pitches. Um, but I think that'll come in time. He's still kind of learning how to be a full-time starter. But yeah, the upside is definitely there. So um, I'm definitely buying into what Peralta has been doing. Uh, our next guy here in the AL East, one of the six guys that has thrown a no-hitter so far this year, and that's John Means of the Baltimore Orioles, one of the Lone bright spots in that Baltimore pitching staff this year. They get some some interesting guys on offense this year, but uh, Means is kind of the lone guy that's doing well on the pitching side of things. And like I said, he has already has a no hitter under his belt through his first nine starts: one point seven zero ERA, zero point seven five WHIP, K rates up to twenty seven point four percent. Walk rate still very good, 5.1%. You know, while I kind of do buy to some degree what he's doing, I'm not, I don't, I don't think he's this good. Um, he's being a bit lucky with his fastball. Like you look at the the XBA and his four seamers, 270, batting average against 214. You know, same thing with the curveball, the XBA is about 150 points higher than his batting average against on that. Um, like I said, I, I do like a lot of what he's been doing. His whiff rate's up. First pitch strike rate is up. Zone contact rate is down. But at the same time, 188 BABIP, 96.5% strand rate. So I do think there will be some regression. Obviously, I don't think he's a sub-2 ERA guy. But for me, I think he could be, you know, a top, you know, a top 40. A good SP3 for fantasy purposes. A guy that can get you some good ratios. Decent, but not great strikeout rates. Um, this be pretty good year in, year out. But I think he's a, a good sell-high candidate right now, even though I do kind of believe what he's doing right now. But what, what are your thoughts on means, Chris? Yeah, I agree 100%. I have him on nearly every team because he was such a draft day bargain. Oh, yeah. But I think if was. you can sell him for a top 50 player, I would. I mean – you look at what he's done. It's been phenomenal so far, but I do think the regression is coming to an extent. Like you mentioned, the strand rate and the Babipper both say that he'll regress a little bit. And, you know, XERA sitting at three, two, three, like, yes, he can still be a really solid pitcher. And I believe that he will be a really solid pitcher 
moving forward, but he's not going to be an ace. <laughs> he's pushing that level right now. Right. And there's, there's just no way to sustain that. Now he does have great command. His walk rate is just, you know, stellar at 5%. He was 4% last year. So, you know, those are right there with career norms, the strikeout rates up. And I think that, you know, for good reason is he's seen, you know, it's, it, he's just using his pitches and mixing them a little better. And I think that definitely is helping him out. He's definitely seeing more strikeouts with the changeup than he did in previous years. I think that's kind of been his go-to pitch. And, you know, that's interesting. And this is something I've been thinking a lot about. We've seen a lot of changeup dominant pitchers struggle this year. And with the new ball, I kind of wondered if it was something with the seams that was affecting them. But Means, on the other hand, he's honed in his changeup, and it's really helped him. So I'm not really sure if there's anything, any validity to that or not. But it's a thought that I've had this week, so it's something that I'm going to look into a little more. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's interesting. Because like Luis Castillo, one of the you know biggest yeah. examples of that, has struggled mightily this year. That's that's yeah. interesting to think about. Yeah, there's a long list. Chris Paddock is another one yep, that yep. you know the, the changeup has just gone downhill. There's there's a long list of guys that I was kind of thinking about. I, I let's see, I wrote a couple down who were that way. Oh, Kyle Hendricks is another one whose mm-hmm. changeup struggled a little bit. So I don't know. It's it's a thought that's worth looking into, in my opinion. But yeah, with means that changeup has been huge for him. You know, you look at it, and that's that's been his best pitch, and the whiff rate of forty. 40.7% is huge. The batting average against a 113 slugging of 197 against it. It's been awesome. So even with the velo down means it's still been good, but yeah, if you can sell high, I would, but I'm very, very happy with, with means on a lot of my teams. Yeah. Yeah. I have him on several teams, probably not as many as you, but several teams, like you said, this, the, the draft day price tag was very, very reasonable. And he was a favorite breakout target amongst many, in the industry. Um, but yeah, definitely would look to, I think we're both in agreement here to, you know, sell high. Don't, you know, just give them away, but definitely sell high if you can. Um, it's, it's hard to, to be long-term, have some long-term success in the ALEs. There's a lot of good lineups, a lot of good hitters parks, especially the one he he'll pitch half his games in in Camden yards. Um, but yeah, definitely think there's some legitimacy legitimacy here, but not to the level he's been at right now. So, um, Moving on here to our next name, guy that you know was a top prospect, pitching prospect for a while, coming out of the draft several years ago, but then kind of got had a lot of injuries, didn't really pitch a lot over a few years stretch, but now is kind of burst back onto the scene. Also threw a no hitter this year. And that's Carlos Rodon of the Chicago White Sox. There was seven starts, spanning forty-two and two-thirds innings. He has a 1.27 ERA, 0.80 whip, 7.2% walk rate, which is the best of his career, and a insane 37.3% strikeout rate, which is top 5% in baseball. Uh, XERA, while it's a a full run higher, still 2.14. XBA, XLOG, XBOBA, all very, very good, all like top 10%. In the league, um, that slider is still like that slider was filthy when he's back at NC State. Some scouts put it as a double plus slider. It is still a lethal slider. Forty seven point six percent whiff rate. He's even up one hit on it all year. Zero twenty two batting average against. It was a single, so an 22 slug. One ten woba. Thirty one point one percent put away rate. That's filthy. Four seamer has been great too. 
But the one thing I'm worried about is, you know, even though the changeup's getting good whiff, uh, good whiff rate, 35.1%, it's a 348 batting average against on the changeup. So he's another one like means I like what he's doing. I think there's some legitimacy here, but I would another one I would probably look to sell high right now for if you can get a pretty good price on him. I don't know. What, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, he's one that I've struggled to figure out what in the world to do with. Like, how legit is this? I keep thinking that he's going to fall off, but he doesn't. And you mentioned the talent level's been there since the college days, and it's good to see it come to fruition. And a lot of times, guys take some time to come into the league, and he's just 28 years old, and so maybe this is his breakout. Yeah, And I think yeah. there's some a lot of legitimacy to what he's doing, but to what extent? I don't know. There's always the injury concerns. There's the inning limit with this year at least. But for Dynasty, I think that if you can get a top dollar again with like Means, I would. I'm more apt to sell Rodon than than Means if the price is right. I just feel like Means is a little more legit. And you know, it's hard to argue with what Rodon's done. I mean, 62 Ks and 42 innings, seven starts and a 1270 RA, like you mentioned, has been really really good and we've seen a lot of improvements but i don't know i'm just struggling a little bit with with what to do with him and what to make of of who he really is i do think he can be solid but i think that someone may be higher on him than me so i'm willing to sell if that's the case yeah i'm kind of wondering who i would rather have like rest of season than long term i do think i lean means a little bit at the same time, when it comes to selling one of these two guys, like let's say you have both, which would be great if you did have both. You're probably doing well in your league because what they cost coming into the year. But which one could you get a better return on right now? That's I don't know. I think you can get pretty good returns on both. Maybe a little more on Rodone. I don't know. It's because the strikeout rate is so ridiculously yeah. high right now. I suppose it means it's like a slightly above average strikeout rate, but. Um, yeah, so I think kind of both kind of similar thoughts on both that we believe what they're doing to a degree, but would try to sell high if possible. Uh, moving on to our next name here, uh, one of the top you know rookies of this season, breakout name down in the NL East. That is Trevor Rogers here. Chris, what are your thoughts on Trevor Rogers so far this year and how legitimate do you think this performance is? I think it's 100% legit. He's he's really good. There were some underlying metrics last season that, you know, led some people to believe that he would break out. And, you know, Ray Butler was one that was really big and pushed him a lot and uh, kind of opened my eyes a little bit. So I started digging into him more and, you know, ended up drafting him late in a lot of places. And that's been very big for me and a lot of my teams. And I just look at what he's doing. It's hard to argue with, with the results. I mean – from the four seam to the changeup to the slider, it's all really, really good. And one of the biggest things is just the velo increase. You know, you look at his fastball, and this was something in the spring too that it was worth noting. Like a, a lot in the spring, spring training is kind of you know whatever. But when Rogers comes out and was pumping 95, 96 consistently in spring training, that was pretty eye opening. After he just averaged 93.6 miles an hour on the fastball last season, and you know that's been his go to pitch. It uses it 60% of the time. He's averaging right at 95 miles an hour with it. And in 43 strikeouts with that pitch, a 205 batting average against near 30% whiff rate, which is solid on a four-seamer. 
Then you factor in that change up in that slider that he also uses and, you know, whiff rates of 34.8% on the change up and 45% on the slider. And that pitch mix, I think, is just really good. You know, it's interesting that he only has four strikeouts with the slider because I do think it's a really good pitch. He doesn't use it all that often. He's relying pretty heavily on that changeup as his, as his secondary pitch, and that's okay. I mean, he's making it work. But I do think that what Rodgers has done is legit and sustainable, and I think that I when we look at these three guys, so like, or even the four guys we've talked about, so with Peralta and then with Means and, Rod- and Rodon, I would definitely take Rodgers over Means and Rodon. And kind of wavering with, between him and Peralta, but you know, I feel like Peralta just has a little more volatility. I might take Rodgers above those three guys. Is that crazy? I don't think so. Like him and Peralta are, are pretty close in my ranking, so close that I actually probably couldn't tell you right now who I have higher. Let's see, who do I have higher? I have Rodgers a little higher than Peralta. So you know, not crazy at all. Uh, I definitely agree. I'm buying what. Rodgers is doing right now. And yeah, that is kind of weird that you know he has the four strikeouts on the slider because he has a 45% whiff rate on that pitch as well. And yeah, that three pitch mix is definitely working. All three have a whiff rate of 30% or above. Well, the four seamer is 29.9, but close enough. All three have a you know beat batting average against you know, of 214 or less, slugging up 348 or less. There's all really good pitches to put away rates of 20% or above on all three. He's limiting hard contact well with all three. All three have below average exit velocities. Yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah, that the uh, walk rate is a bit high, but again, it's in that range where, you know, I'm not like in the Peralta range where I'm not really, really concerned about it. It could he, you know, stand to get a little better. Sure. But, you know, it's not a detriment to his value at all. You know, the XERA 291 backs this up. Um, or XERA, excuse me, XBA is 199. He limits barrels very well. So I, I think, yeah, is he going to re- pitch this well? Probably not, but a little bit of regression, obviously, once the league figures him out a little bit. But I think there's a legit chance that he's a top 30 or so dynasty arm moving forward. I don't think he's ever going to be an SP1 for fantasy, but an SP2 that can limit, you know, uh, give you a low ratios, give you a good amount of strikeouts. Uh, that definitely puts him in SP2 range, especially if that walk rate continues dropping. So, uh, yeah, definitely buying Rodgers. He keeps moving up good chunks in my dynasty ranks every month, and he will be top 100 before too long, maybe even by my next update, because he'll probably have another two starts before now in my next update. And he's only, I think, he's within the next 20 outside my top 100. So definitely could move into the top 100 by my next update. So, yep, definitely buy what he is doing this year. Um, one that I'm a little less buying into here, going up to the other coast here, Joe Musgrove. You now it's great. You know, Musgrove gets out of Pittsburgh, and that's like the cure-all for all these young, talented arms that are kind of flailing out in Pittsburgh. And he's pitched very well this year. In 51 innings, over his nine starts, 247 ERA, 0.86 whip, 34.7% strikeout rate, career best, 5.4% walk rate, which is down from 9.6% last year. But you look at his pitch mix, it's it's kind of weird, right? Like The slider is very, very good. 0.77 batting average against, 43.5% whiff rate, 0.92 slugging against. 
143 Woba. The curveball is really good as well. 108 batting average against, 35.7% whiff rate. Changeup 111 batting average against, 29.7% whiff rate. So all of his off speeds are performing very well this year. It's all it's his three fastballs that are not performing well. Cutter 371 batting average against, four seamer 318. Uh, sinker 286 with a 346 XBA, and this is nothing new. Like last year, four seamer was 324, sinker 250, cutter 429. Um, and it's kind of weird. Like the cutter was so bad last year, and he's now throwing it over three times as frequently 6.4% up to 20.2%. That's kind of odd, and it's still just as bad this year. 714 slug on that pitch, already given up three home runs on it. So I don't know. I, I'm kind of not selling what he's doing, but I think now is a great time to sell high on Joe Musgrove. You know, you, you, the Padres tax, you can probably get a little more for him. You know, as everyone's all giddy about all those arms right now that they've acquired and their newfound value. And I think now is probably the highest his value might be. I think he's going to be pretty good long term, but I don't think he's going to be this good long-term, but I don't know. Do you, do you agree with that? Or are you more buying into what Musgrove's doing? Yeah, it's hard to fully buy in, I think, because you just look at those, the fastballs and he just leaves them over the heart of the zone, gets hit pretty hard. And that's not what you want to see at all. And when, I mean, it's great that he's got the good secondaries, but when you don't have the fastball to go to and rely on, it's concerning from the standpoint of pitch mix changes. He, did the right thing by using his four seam less. Like that was his most used pitch last year. And he's dropped that usage by over 10% this year. And even that velocity's up, but it's just still not there. He just, I don't know if he just doesn't locate it well, because you look at the heat map and he leaves it over the zone a little bit and he gets hit kind of hard with that, which, you know, is concerning, but I think you're right. If you can sell and get like a top four, 60 dynasty asset i probably would but i don't know i i'm kind of concerned i'm not fully buying in even though it kind of looks good and i think he'll be a good pitcher like musgrove was a good pitcher last year and he took a step forward this year we saw the walk rate go down you know it was 9.6 percent last year's 5.4 percent this season he's getting hit a little bit harder it's seeing some batters barrel up the ball more and so those things are concerning. Now, if he gets back to where he's allowing less hard contact, then I could see some of this being legit. But right now, I don't know. I think that we see probably I would be willing to bet by the end of the season that he has it like a three five ERA. He's got two four seven ERA right now. So I bet that number pushes to three five, which is good, and it has its place. Like that's great. But if you can sell high, that's a, the name of the game in Dynasty is knowing when to buy and sell. And yep. maybe you missed like the high, the peak value for him. But even, you know, he just rebounded and had that really good start against the Rockies. And so maybe now's the time to jump back in and see what you can get for him. Yeah, I totally agree. And yeah, I've mentioned many times before that, you know, buying and selling Dynasty, it's almost like, you know, playing the stock market. You know, like you got to know when to buy these stocks, when to sell these stocks. And if you can do really well at doing that, you're probably going to be very you know, doing pretty well overall in your dynasty leagues. And yeah, like with Musgrove, one last thing real quick. Like you look at what are the plate discipline metrics here. They're not, none of them have really improved 
from last year, they're all very much in line, you know, very slight variations up or down either way. But none of these really signal like, all right, let's drop his ERA a full like run and a half or two runs to from whatever it was back in 20, uh, 2020. And I, I, I definitely agree that, you know, his, right now his X ERA is 343. I think, yeah, that's more where I think he ends up, you know, with a good amount of strikeouts too. So I think he can still be a very good, like, SP3 long term. But, you know, right now it's definitely a good time to sell high without question. Moving on to our last name here, Julio Urias, who's always been kind of everyone's darling. He was, he was a former top pitching prospect. Uh, it was back when kind of him and him and Lucas Giolito were coming up at the same time. They were like one, two for a while, depending on where you looked. And he's out. He, Urias has kind of like flashed, you know, his upside, but, you know, he's been inconsistent, hasn't missed as many bats in the past as we kind of thought he should. With his stuff, he's had the, the arm issues, the shoulder issues. So I've kind of tempered my expectations over the years on him and kind of kept him lower than many others because I just wasn't fully buying into him. And this year, he's taken, you know, he's pitching some of the best ball of his career. But, you know, when I look at the pitch mix here, the curveball and changeup are very, very good right now. Batting average of 116 and 114, respectively, on those pitches. But the fastball is getting hit pretty hard. You know, it's 308 batting average against 505 slug, 557x slug, full home runs already up the four seamers. So I'm still kind of, I don't know, I'm not fully buying into what we're seeing this year. But I don't know, Chris, this is the name you put on the list here. So what, what are you thinking this year on your eyes? Are you buying into him more than I am? I am. And the talent level's been there. The Dodgers are finally letting him do his thing. He's been loosened up a little bit. He's ne- He had never thrown seven innings in his career prior to this year. And his first start of the year, he comes out, fires seven innings, which was big. And he's done that twice since. So he's gone seven innings three times. And he's gone six and two-thirds another time. So, you know, he's been pumping later into games, which has been big for him. And I, I see some legitimacy to what he's done. And he's faced good competition as well. And, you know, he even went to, like he went to cores and dominated, which is huge. He's faced some good lineups and performed well. And, you know, I think that some of what he's done is legit. Uh, you mentioned the fastball. That fastball, the location is just not good on it right now. And he's just leaving it over the heart of the zone to get hit hard. But still, I mean, it's been a decent pitch. He struck out 22 guys on it. He's using it 50% of the time. Velo's right in line with his career. The spin rate's up just a hair. But you mentioned – this, the curveball is is his go-to. The changeup's also a really, really good pitch there. And so he's getting strikeouts with all three pitches, punching a lot of guys out. The batting average is really low against the the curve and the changeup. And his four-seam's been fine in the past. That's the thing. Like he, His four-seam has never been a huge issue for him before. And I'm just looking at the heat map, and I think that he's just leaving it over the heart of the zone a little too much. Yeah, he definitely is, yeah. Yeah, and so I think that if he straightens that out, he'll be totally fine. There's, I think that that's going to hinge because right now, you know, it's, it's impossible not to hit those kind of pitches deep when he's throwing it, you know, 94 over the heart of the plate. Like, that's what hitters want to see. And, you know, you look at kind of the peripheral numbers and his XERA is right in line with his actual ERA, which is is solid. And I think that some of the gains are legit. I just think that this is the guy we've expected him to be, and now he's finally free to throw the innings that we wanted him to see. 
And I think this is a huge plus for him. The K rate, I'd expect it to stay in line with what he's doing right at, you know, 27, 28%. The walk rate is yeah, really, really low at 3%. So you probably expect that to go up a little bit. But overall, like you see, his swinging strike rate is up. His first pitch strike is way up. And he's just hitting the zone more, maybe a little too much. But the CSW right now at 33.4% is borderline like elite numbers. If 35% is like really, really good. So I like what I see there. I'm buying in. I don't know. I mean, it's worth checking in on to see if someone's willing to still sell him low because honestly, in the past, he's put up good numbers. Like you look at his career numbers, he's got a career 317 ERA and you know he's got 304 this season. The owner may just look at the surface numbers and think that, you know, whatever, same Julio Urias, but he's he's doing it. And he's now free to throw those innings, so which is very exciting in my opinion. So I'm at least checking in to see what the price tag is on him right now. Yeah, yeah, I think he's you know a very good arm. I just think you know I kind of lean the other way in terms of like the price tag. Where it, it, at least in my experience with you with Urias, whether trying to deal for him or deal him away, people seem to I think the name kind of carries more weight than the actual production. So that's why I'm always like never willing to buy in. Like I like I, don't get me wrong, I like Urias, and then you made a lot of good points. I think it's great that you know the Dodgers are finally taking the training wheels off, so to speak, letting him throw more. Uh, kind of like what, what they did with Dustin May this year as well until he got hurt. Um, what I think would really benefit Urias, if he developed like a sinker or a cutter, another like a variation of a fastball, maybe maybe he should get with, you know, not, not with Dustin May right now because he ain't throwing, <laughs> but uh, like Walker Bueller, I know if throws a sinker and a cutter. Uh, just You know, there's a lot of good. I know Kershaw doesn't throw either on those pitches, but maybe just get with some of the other good arms. There's a lot of talent, a lot of veteran arms in that rotation that he could learn from. Maybe he adds a a fourth pitch here long-term. I think that would really help him, like a cutter or sinker or something like that. But, you know, who knows? But, yeah, I I definitely like Urias, but I think his price tag is always a little too high for me. But, I mean, you're buying in a little bit more than I am. But let's go ahead and hit the break here. We'll come back on the other side and talk plenty of hitters that are starting out hot. So stick with us. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? All right, welcome back from the break. Talking some early season. I guess I'm not, is this really early season now? Like a quarter of the way. When does like the term early season stop? Like at the one quarter, what the one quarter mark? I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, we're almost a third of the way in. We're nearly 50 games in, which is I know. This is nuts. This is ridiculous. It's already, I know. Like, wasn't that just March and we were all drafting and now it's, you know, we're a week away from June? Like, this is very, very, it's, the season's flying by, yeah. but hey, you know, we got baseball, full season, we got minor leagues, it's good stuff here. Weather's warming up up here in Maine, it's been in the 70s, gonna get in the 80s this week. It's now baseball weather <laughs> up here in Maine, as I call it, so finally. That, that day, yeah, finally, that definitely helps. All these times when I'll be like, 
oh, it's, you know, Chris would be like, oh, it's 70 degrees. I was disc golfing today. And I'm like, yeah, it was 30 here and it's kind of <laughs> snowing. Uh, <laughs> so definitely, you know, the warm weather helps. But okay, let's get into some hitters here, starting with arguably, I mean, not arguably, probably is the waiver wire gem of the first quarter to third of a season. Guy that's just hitting bomb after bomb after bomb, up to 14 home runs to, the, uh, to this point, 291, 329, 603 slash. That, of course, if you haven't figured it out by now, is Adolis Garcia of the Texas Rangers, a guy that's basically carrying that offense right now. And man, Chris, like we, we knew Garcia had power. Like when he started hitting some home runs early on, both you and I got a ton of questions like, hey, how legit is this? What can we expect from Adolis Garcia? I think we both kind of had the, the same thoughts of like, all right, the power is legit, but contact skills approach kind of suspect. And I still kind of believe that, but. Man, he is just cranking the ball right now. X Wobicon 517, 54.8% hard hit rate. You know, 575 X slug. XBA is 279 as well. 93.4 average exit velocity. 19.2% barrel rates. Even the K rate, which is not great, it's 27.6%, but that's better than I thought. I thought he'd be a 30 plus percent K rate guy from what I saw from him in the minors. I don't know. I'm I'm starting to buy into it, Adolis Garcia. How about you? <laughs> it's hard to not to. Yeah, it's I hard mean, not to, right? He's been really good. And, you know, for the longest time, I was skeptical. I bought in some places and wrote out the hot streak, and I thought it would come to an end, and it just hasn't, which is kind of weird to me. I mean, I wasn't I, – I thought he would tail off. And maybe he still will, but at least when he's making contact, the contact is really, really good. You even mentioned, I mean, the strikeout rate is not atrocious by any means at what 27 and a half percent. He's only walking at five percent clip, but you know, that's okay. When when you're making the contact, he is and he's barreling the ball up 20% of the time, has an average exit velocity of over 93 miles an hour, a great launch angle at 16 degrees. Everything just looks legit and he, he might be sustainable. I'm not sure I want to believe like in this 28 year old breakout, but you know, like you mentioned, it's hard to argue against what he's doing right now. So I don't know. I'd at least be buying in as and riding this out as long as you can, but the price tag might be a little high at this point. So I don't know. You know, he, he kind of reminds me of, I, I just thought of this kind of like reminds me of what Jorge Soler did a, uh, a couple years yeah. ago, right? You're when right. he broke 2019, he broke out, hit what, like 45, 46 home runs? Or nine, yeah. 40, yeah, it was like mid to upper 40 home runs that year. You kind of remind this. I think there's a similar skill set there. Really good power. Even this year, even though, you know, Solar's not having a good year, his quality of contact metrics are still very, very good. Uh, so I think very similar, you know, suspect plate approach and contact skills. So I think that, that could be a similar path where, yeah, the power will be great. But maybe there are some peaks and valleys here. Like there usually is with with these types of guys that have the you know the low walk rates, high K rates. But yeah, I'm definitely buying in. Like this is a guy that could legitimately hit 40 home runs this year. Like he's on pace for over 40 right now. He's on pace for like 45 or so. And just the another added bonus, he has five steals as well. 84 percentile sprint speed. This is like an added bonus. You know, I didn't really expect much speed from him, but he's adding that speed in. And he's hitting for a good average. There's a lot to like here, but I, I would try to sell high just because I think 
you know, the peaks and valleys are going to be there. And, you know, one thing he's hitting 048 against off speed pitches. Pitchers are going to figure that out. I think they're starting to, but he's seeing 365 against fastballs. He's always been a good fastball hitter. 294 against breaking balls, but just is not hitting off speed much at all. Uh, I said 048 batting average against. So pitchers are going to adjust to Adolis Garcia. And I don't think he's going to fall off and be totally, you know, not relevant for fantasy, but I think this is to be a guy that the peaks and valleys are going to be there. So you really got to capitalize and sell on, you know, when he's on one of his peaks and one of his hot stretches. So for dynasty purposes, if you can, you know, get a top 100, top 150 asset for him, which you might, if someone's buying into this hype and, and he's the, you know, the, like I said, the waiver wire gym of the year and people are buying into that, you could get a pretty solid return and maybe a safer dynasty investment than Adolis Garcia. But Definitely buying into what he's showing with the power for sure. Speaking of a guy that's just hitting the ball, cranking the ball, I should say, and having the best year of his career, finally a guy that we've been waiting to put it all together and looks like this is the year, Jesse Winker. Dude, Like he is – Everything about his stat line is just really sexy right now. <laughs> He's hitting 355. Anybody ever think that Jesse Winker would hit 355 in a season? Granted, it's still you know early, but then again, like we mentioned, we're almost near the third waypoint. It's not like we're still in late April here. Uh, this is no longer a really small sample size. He's hitting 355 over 170 plate appearances, 13 home runs, 28 RBI, 34 runs. 412 OBP, 684 slug, a uh, lot of red on his savant page. He's 90th percentile or better in average exit velo, hard hit, X Woba, XBA, X slug, barrel rates, 80th percentile. Outside of stealing bases, which he's never stolen any bases really, now he is just cranking the ball. He's just killing it this year. He's especially of late, till I think he's like four home runs in the last two days. Or something like that. So he's really finally breaking out. I'm I'm buying in. Like I don't see outside of him struggling against breaking balls this year, um, which he didn't. And last year he hit 313 off breaking balls. So this is kind of a newfound thing for him. He's cranking fastballs. He's cranking off speed. I'm having a hard time finding a lot of reasons to not believe in this. I don't know what are your thoughts on Winker here, Chris? Yeah, and I think this is the guy that we've been hoping that he would be. He's always been the OBP machine. People comped him to like Joey Votto light, and that's who he is. You know, the most concerning thing that I see this year is that his walk rate's down to 8.5%, which is still stellar, but you know it doesn't even sniff the 15.3% walk rate he had last year. He's making more contact. I mean, when you're making the contact and hitting the ball like he is, you don't need to walk. It's fine. Right. I mean, his, his OBP's still 412, which – is great. I mean, his hard hit rate of nearly 54%. Like you mentioned, everything is right in line with, with what he did last year. It's just better. You, you look at the expected stats and you know, 311 expected batting average, 576 expected slug. So, yeah, maybe a little bit of regression may come, but he's still good. And I got a couple of questions about him today. And, yeah, I think he is legit. I think he's going to just slow down some. I don't think he's going to keep – a 355, 412, 684 pace the rest of the season. But Winker's still a great player. He's still a great hitter, and this is who we've thought he'd be for a while. And so, yeah, I think it's time we give him the respect that he deserves. I think that, you know, especially in like an OBP format, like 
he's pushing like a top 50 overall type guy if this continues because the power's there, the OBP skills are definitely there, and he's performing at a really, really high level right now. Yeah, yeah, I've moved him within my top 100 for sure, and yeah, OBP definitely gets an even bigger boost there. Yeah, I like the he's being a little more aggressive this year, but at the same time, the contact skills have gone up as well. His zone contacts up, uh, what's that, 6.2%. Chase contacts up 8.8%. Uh, like that, He's really kind of like hunting out his pitches and really capitalizing on that power because the power has always been there. I think sometimes he just got a little too passive at the plate trying to get that high walk rate, and I'm fine with 8, 8.5% walk rate. Except that's still solid. You know, it's not great like he has in the past. Like he, for his career, I think he's a little over 12%. So it's down a little bit, like you mentioned. But if it means he's going to do what he's doing now, boom, I am all for that. Highest barrel rate of his career, best exit velocity of his career, best, you know, batting average, slugging, you know, everything's a career best right now. And at the same time, he's dropped his strikeout rate uh, 5% from last year. Even though last year was higher than normal, like usually he was in the 15 to 17% range. It's like he's cut it back down this year while being more aggressive is positive as well. So, yeah, I, I am fully fully buying into what Jesse Winker is doing and really wish I had him on more teams than I do. I don't have him on many teams, unfortunately, but maybe I'll try to acquire him here. Uh, maybe not right now is not the great time because he's, he's on fire, but <laughs> yeah, def, definitely buying in to Jesse Winker moving out West. Jared Walsh has been, you know, he was a popular name coming into spring training. Then, you know, kind of struggled in spring training and people kind of thought, Oh, maybe he'll lose time to Albert Pujols because it's his last year. It's a swan song. But, you know, the Angels just released Albert Pujols, which is kind of funny. Um, but Jared Walsh has had a really good year. 317, 380, 571, slash 10 home runs, 34 RBI, and 179 plate appearances. I don't know. You look at the underlying metrics, you know, they're good. Not great. I don't see anything that's like screaming star here. I get, it screams good hitter to me, like maybe top 150 guy, but I don't know. I, I'd be looking to sell high here, but you know, what, what are your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, I think that he's a good sale. He's been really, really good. You know, 10 home runs so far. The slash line looks really good at 317, 385, 71. Across the board, like when you look at the surface stats, they're really good. And I don't know. I just look at his average exit velocity of 88 miles an hour. While it's not great, like it can work. I don't know. I'm concerned we see some regression here. You look at his expected stats, expected batting average of 266. That tells me that he's had a little bit of luck go his way. The X slug over 100 points lower than his actual slug. So there's those things, those numbers there. And you, you look at his strikeout rate, it's fine at 25.7%. But I don't know. I think there's potential for more maybe we saw it low last year's 14 percent, but in the past he he has struck he has struck out more i'm kind of torn like i've been torn on who he really is i don't really think that he's a 300 hitter actually i know i don't believe he's a 300 hitter and so like you mentioned some of the underlying metrics lead me to believe that there is regression coming so if you can get a great return for him i definitely sell i think he can still be a solid player for you but i just don't see this pace sustaining or really maybe even 80% of it sustaining. He may be 75% of this player, but I honestly think he may hit 
you know, 275 the rest of the way, which may seem crazy after, you know, he hit 293 last year and 318 this year. But still, I don't know. I do have my concerns. He's making a little less contact in the zone than he was last year. I was just going to mention that, yeah. Yeah, that that stands out to me. The contact is down a little bit. His hard hit rate's down a little bit. I don't know. I think there's reason to be slightly concerned. So sell high candidate all day for me. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like you mentioned, I was, I was, I was looking at the contact and, and swing metrics here. Zone contact is down around 7%, and it's around 7% below league average. Chase rate is above league average. Um, swing, you know, the uh, whiff rate, excuse me, is above league average, 28%. So if he had this profile but was, like, cranking the ball, you know, like 50% hard hit rate or above – you know, huge exit velocity of like 94 miles an hour or something like that. I might be buying into this more, but he's doing this with, you know, pretty average. You know, his hard hit rate is barely above league average. Uh, exit velocity is league average, 88.3. You know, barrel rate is a good amount of, you know, the, he, he barrels a good amount of pitches, so that definitely helps him. But, you know, there's not a lot here that just streams, you know, that backs up what he's doing. So yeah, definitely would look to sell high. As I agree, he's definitely not a 300 hitter. Now he's hitting 317 right now. Don't buy that. I don't buy 293. Yeah, I'm with you. I might even go a little bit lower than 273. Yeah, that's fair. maybe two 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 sixty five range. I don't know something like that. Um, with 25 home runs, but I think in the long run he's gonna have one of those profiles that just doesn't stand out and that's very attainable. The so so average, decent power, but. You can get this profile, you know, pretty easily, and it's not that valuable anymore. So, definitely agree that I would be selling Walsh high uh, if I had him right now. Uh, another one here that might, I may be looking to sell high, even though I've been a kind of a supporter of this guy for a while, but he's one where the underlying metrics don't back up the surface stats, and he's kind of cooled off of late, um, but still having a pretty solid season. That's Nick Solak. I know, Chris. What are your thoughts here on Solak? Would you be trying to sell high, or do you believe that he's a legit, you know, top 100 type guy? Yeah, and that's the concern that I have is that I really thought he was a top 100 guy, and I guess I should have put my biases aside because I thought he could be a breakout. Like he was one of my breakout guys, and he broke out to start the year, and I was excited. So I thought that all of it was legit, but he's slumped really, really bad recently, and you know. I don't, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me of how bad he has been, but you know, it, he's definitely fallen off a lot since that crazy hot start. And I, I do have the concerns that maybe he's not who I originally thought he was. I think he's good. I think he's capable of being a really good guy, but we just hadn't seen the power. The power was there early on. And you look in the past two weeks, he's only hit one home run, which does concern me a little bit. You know, his OBP's still been good recently. The batting average has, has dropped off. The, the slug's definitely dropped off with the lack of power. So, I don't know. Solak, to me, right now, if you have him, you have to hold because he's fallen off for that reason. You can't really sell high anymore. The sell high window is effectively shut, and maybe he does see that hot streak come again, and maybe he's just that a streaky hitter. But, you know, mm. I'm looking at his sprint speed of, of 93rd percentile. I know that doesn't matter a ton for stolen bases, but I do think there's upside for him to steal more. You know, he's Definitely. obviously fast enough, 
But some of the other metrics you look at, you know, the strikeout rate has increased since last year and, and up a lot recently. The walk rate is is good at seven and a half percent, but you know, a lot of the underlying metrics don't really say and scream that he'll get back on track, other than the barrel rate being good. But like I mentioned, that was pretty elevated from early on. I think Solak can be good rest of the way, but I don't know if he's top 100 good like I thought. And I'd push him up to that level after the first month where he was just absolutely killing it. And this is something I'm sure you've seen too, but we've seen the contact just drop significantly. That was his calling card. I mean, he always made good contact. And, you know, last year he had the zone contact rate of nearly 92%, which is extremely good. And this year that number's dropped to 79.9%, which is slightly concerning. If we see those, the zone contact rates jump back up, then yeah, I think we'll see the average go up. You look and even his line drive rates up this year, which is great. That's, that's conductive to higher batting average. Home run to fly ball rates up this year. Everything looks good. And I think there's a recipe for success here, but right now he's just kind of turned it the wrong way. Yeah. Now I've always been a, a Solak supporter because he's just produced every level of the minors. Like not like, you know, ridiculous video game numbers or anything like that, but it's always been a really solid across the board producer. But yeah, some of the outside of the sprint speed, you know, some of the other metrics like exit velo and barrel rate, you know, X slug, XBA, they're still like in the pink, you know, not, but at the same time, there are some, you know, issues with that approach. Like I said, the strikeout rate's gone up. The whiff rate has jumped nearly 10%. It's jumped from 19.1% to 28.8%. You mentioned that zone contact has gone down like 12, 13%. Chase rate is up. Kind of unsolac like for what he showed in the minor leagues coming up through. Like I mentioned, he was always a it's a very steady source of production. And yeah, I would love if he stole more bases because that sprint speed's been over 90 percentile every single year, 91st, 91st, 93rd percentile. So I would love to see him steal more. He only has two steals on the year to go along with his eight home runs and 22 RBI. So I yeah, I think I have to to adjust my expectations on him because Look at his XBAs in all three seasons. You know, he's up to a total of like 387 batted balls in his career. He's seen 2,249 pitches, and his XBA has been 249, 264, 259. So kind of in that similar, all in the same range. I think that's maybe what he is, maybe a 260 to 270 hitter, you know, 20 home runs, potential for like 15 steals or so if he decides to run more, but We'll see, and we've seen a lot of these high sprint speed guys not want to run much. Like Joe Adele has hasn't run as much as his speed, and he's a great example of that. So, yeah, I think we have to adjust our expectations here on Solak. But yeah, I think he's fallen off from top one hundred guy. But you know, kind of interesting start to the year for him. How he started off really hot and then fallen off. But I think he is closer to. Yeah, you know, I think he will write the ship. So if you can buy low right now, I would. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's quite early season good that we were seeing. Like he was a top like 25 guy through like, you know, through April or so. Um, moving on here, we got three more hitters before we get out of here. Austin Riley, he has really come on uh, over the last few weeks or so, hitting for a high average, still hitting for power. Uh, his season stat line is up to 320, 414, 549. Nine home runs in 181 plate appearances. Chris, did you ever think that you would see Austin Riley 
hit 320. You're, you're the Braves guy. I'll go to you here. Did you ever think at any point in seeing Austin Raleigh that he'd be hitting 320 after like the first few days of the season? No chance. But the, Braves, <laughs> the Braves absolutely believed in him because yeah. so many times the fans shouted for his head. They could have sold him when he was a top prospect. Like he was at one point, I think he was probably a top 20 prospect in baseball, and they could have easily sold him for a win now piece. And the organization kept saying that they believed in the bat. They believed in the bat. They they knew that better things were coming. Now, is he this good? Is he going to hit 320? Probably not. But I do think that this is the guy the Braves have been waiting on this whole time to finally click for him. And it's clicking. Now, we've seen stretches in his career in the past where this has happened, where he gets hot for a couple of weeks and it all comes crashing back down. But I do think there's tangible improvements in the profile, which are very big for him for one he's chasing a lot less out of the zone the the o swing rate is way down and the zone contact is up which is good you know his zone contact's always been pretty good at, now at 85 percent this season and i think that there's good the, the metrics just kind of line up with the fact that he's a good hitter and it's just shown some improvements and you look what he's done and he's just been hot over the last 30 days honestly it's just it's not like it's just been this last week that he's just gone on a heater. He's been really good the last month. And he struggled a little bit out the gate, but he's come on strong. Everything looks good. I and mean, we've known that he had the massive, massive raw power. So that was never a question mark. But now that we're seeing the hit tool develop a little bit, I think that there's some legitimacy to what he's doing. Now, he's not going to hit 300 rest of the way. There's no chance. But could he be a 260 hitter with you know 35 home run power? Definitely, I think. Yeah, no, I totally agree, and I, I believe we just got some input from from Hayden Clegg in the background. Uh, <laughs> can, we, can we get him on here just to get his thoughts on, <laughs> on Austin Riley being I the hear him. <laughs> one one of the youngest Atlanta Braves fans in the world? Um, yeah, he's a fan. <laughs> yeah, he's a fan. Okay, he's a, he's an Austin Riley guy. <laughs> yeah, seems to be based on okay. the response I heard. Yeah, that that sounded positive. It sounded like like a shout, like a cry of <laughs> of joy, of excitement. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I've always kind of liked Austin Riley. And what I'm real, one of the things I'm really excited about, outside of him hitting 320, which I agree is not going to last, like the 262 XBA, but he's walking more than he ever has, this, you know, in his career. He was a 8.3 percent walk guy in the minors, which is you know solid but not great. You know, first couple years of his career in the majors, 5.4 percent, 7.8 percent, up to 11.3 percent this year. So I think that you know, he's showing a better approach where uh, he's still being aggressive and hunting on his pitches and, and driving the ball. I think we see his 45.1% hard hit rate, um, exit velocity, uh, max exit velo, 86 percentile, even though the average exit velo is kind of around league average. But just the fact that he's being more, you know, waiting, hitting better pitches, waiting for his pitch, you know, drawing walks, you know, getting deeper into the counts, that's really, you know, really promising. And, yeah, I agree. He's not a 320 hitter, you know. So maybe you – know, I don't know. I don't know if I want to say sell high, though, because I, I think he's better than what he – I think long term he's going to be better than what he showed prior to 2021. He's not going to be like we kind of thought. Maybe he's oh maybe he's only 230 to 240 because of the the swing and miss concerns and um, the, the holes in the swing that they definitely have fixed. Um, but yeah, it's maybe I think the XBA you know is right around where I think he'll be 260. I think that's what you said as well. Uh, yeah, 260, 30 plus home runs. You know, be hitting what fifth or sixth a lot right behind all these big bats. So he'll probably get a lot of RBI. 
as well. He only, only has 21 this year, which is a little odd, but uh, I'll expect that to go up hitting, you know, with guys like Acuna and Ozzy and Ozuna and Freeman and hitting in front of him, the RBI opportunities should be plentiful. So yeah, definitely buying into Austin Riley. Uh, so I don't want to say sell highs. Like I said, maybe if you can get a really good price on him, I might consider it, but definitely think that he's le- a legit power bat long-term guy. It's going to be like back end top 100 asset. And he's moving up quickly in my dynasty ranks. Uh, he is up to, let me find him real quick here. He's up to 136 for me right now from 180 at my last update. So 44 spot jump, and that could even go a little higher uh, if he c- continues this over the next couple of weeks before I put out my on-site update on Fantrax HQ. So I definitely like what Austin Riley's doing. Now moving out to the West Coast here, a guy I was pumping up a lot this preseason. He was one of my outfield like late round sleepers that has hit 100% on that. was probably my, one of my best calls in that article. That's Mitch Hanniger, one of the lone bright spots in this Seattle uh, offense this year, an offense that's already been no-hit twice, along with Texas and Cleveland. That's kind of funny that six no-hitters, but all against three teams. Right. That's kind of interesting. But yeah, Mitch Hanniger on the year, 257, 314, 554 slash line, 13 home runs, 31 RBI, 32 runs scored, and 194 plate appearances. No steals. I thought he'd at least run a little bit. So the no steals is kind of surprising, but his sprint speed is only 45th percentile. So I don't think he's going to run. Like, I don't, maybe after the injuries, he's just doesn't have any desire to run. But, you know, hard hit rate is solid. Bail rate is very good. X slug is very good. Both of those last two are top 10 percentile in the league. And he's on a right around a 40, 100, 100 pace. So, I'm definitely buying into what he's doing. I kind of hinted that I thought he could do this this year, uh, maybe with a little more speed than he's showing, obviously. But yeah, I'm outside of that. You know, the whiff rate's a little high, chase rate's a little high, but I'm bu- I'm buying in. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about for Dynasty. He's he's a little older at 30, but I think he's still got a lot of life left in him. You know, he could be a performer for a while, and this this lineup should only get better. You bring up all great points and. You know, you look at what's on the horizon for the Mariners, and now highly possible he gets traded. I could see them trading him at the oh, yeah. deadline to a contender, which would also be a plus. Like if he moved to, I mean, shoot, Atlanta could use an outfielder pretty bad right now, and that would be a great lineup for him to go to. I, I, I could see uh, the, the Yankees just popped into my head too. Yep, the Yankees or White Sox would be, you know, fits for him. He could go to a really good lineup, and that's only going to help him. And you look and. This is exactly who he was when he broke out. Like this season, he's doing things that we expected from, you know, obviously the the sick injury that he had that we, we won't speak of. Yeah, but, let's let's not let's not bring that up. <laughs> yeah, but you go back and you look at what he did in 2018 and even 2019 to an extent, and there's there's a lot of legitimacy here. I think that he is proving himself, you know, he's even barreling up the ball more than he had in his career, which is awesome to see at 15% rate. The launch angle's great at 16 degrees. I think he is who he is, and he's going to be that 260, 270 type hitter with good power. And you mentioned how much he'll run. Don't really know. But overall, yeah, I definitely like the profile. Big fan of him, and I hope that he continues his success. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to see him back and doing well because he was a very good hitter before, you know, he had to deal with all those injuries and he had a couple of years that he was kind of breaking out. And, and maybe, you know, you mentioned his age, you know, you don't usually trade for a lot of, you know, 30 year old plus, you know, guys that are in their thirties, people kind of shy away and always want the, the younger assets, but that usually suppresses the trade value of these guys. So you can probably get Hanniger for a decent cost, even though he is, you know, tearing the cover off the ball and, you know, on pace for 40 home runs. So I'll definitely go and try to get him if, if you can in dynasty leagues. Our last name here is without question, one you know, the feel good story of the 2021 season, Trey Mancini, you know, beating cancer, you know, you got to love that he's come back and is doing well. And in fact, as of right now, he leads the major leagues in RBI with 39 on top of that hitting 275. Has 10 home runs, 25 runs scored. Just really produce 18 walks, you know, really producing for Baltimore. Like I said, not a lot of bright spots there, but he is definitely kind of leading the way for that lineup here. But it's sometimes he's one of the, he's an older guy, right? He's a little younger. I think he was he 29 years old. So he's no, he's not a young player anymore. But all the metrics look good, you know, XBA, X slug, bail rate, all like top 12% of the league or so. Hard hit rate, average exit velocity, both above league average. So there's a, a lot of legitimacy here because, you know, XBA is above his batting average. XBA is 298. X slug is 567. Hard hit rate is really good. You know, bail rate is good. Launch angle is, you know, decent in you know, 10 degrees or so, a little low. But um, yeah, I, I don't see a lot of things here to kind of deter me from believing that what he's doing is legit. You know, the, all oh, the plate approach is in line with what it was 2019, almost exactly uh, in line with what it was then. Yeah, I'm definitely buying. What about you? Yep, I agree. So let me ask you, who wins comeback player of the year, Mancini or Hanniger? <laughs> I got I to gotta, I gotta think it's Mancini. Yeah. Um, just because he, he's coming back from cancer. Yeah, like Hanniger's coming back from a, I got to say, a ruptured testicle. But... Mancini beat cancer and now is leading the, yeah, I got to say it's Mancini. Hanniger's probably second, but right. yeah, as of right now, you got to give it to Mancini. I think so too. The story's just fantastic. And oh, you love so, it's so it. good. Yeah. Yep. Oh, wait a minute. Do they give it to Otani though? Huh. I just thought of him like he might, he's probably in the mix too, but well, when he gets MVP, they won't have to worry about that. Yeah. It's right. He'll get MVP. So we don't have to give him the comeback player of the year either. So yeah. Yeah. Give it to Mancini. Just give it to, he beat, he beat dude, the dude beat cancer. Right, and it's coming back and playing at a high level. That is just if that's not one of the, you know feel good story, then I don't know what is. Oh, that story deserves it for sure. And like you mentioned, you hit on everything. I think he's fully legit. He's he never got the respect that he deserved, even you know after some really solid seasons and after the 2019 breakout where he hit 35 bombs and he hit 291 with a 364 OBP. He still wasn't being drafted very high that year. I think he was going like the 120 range, which for 2020, which seemed like a good value, you know, before obviously the cancer. But still, I I don't know if he's getting the respect he deserves right now. Maybe more so because of the story and the comeback. But I think he's probably pretty affordable in Dynasty, where you could get him at a reasonable price. And you know, I think that he's a top 100 guy. Like he's everything seems legit to me. So I'm fully buying in. Yeah, yeah, you gotta feel good, and so I, I hope he keeps it up because I'm just I, I'm just rooting for the dude. It's hard not to, but 
All right. That's going to wrap up another episode here. Thanks to everyone for listening. And we hope you all enjoyed it. Again, you can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I am at Aircross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Check out all of our written work on FantraxHQ.com. And be sure to check out our Patreon for a lot of extra content. You know, Discord access, live rankings uh, that you can see 24-7. A lot of good stuff there. We'll be back with you all again next week with more Dynasty and Prospect talk. But until then, everyone take care. the playoffs anything can happen but the best part it's like bonus football and bonus football means betting bonuses with gambit dc for a limited time get up to a 57 percent multi-sport parlay boost on the gambit dc app online or at any gambit dc retail location throughout the district it's the most exciting time to be a fan so make your play and get the home field advantage with gambit dc limited time offer terms and conditions apply please buy responsibly